What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Impact Show. I am your friendly neighborhood talent strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. The key question that we're going to learn today is that when you're looking at building a high-performance team, what is the most important responsibility that a leader has? That is a big question, and the person that is going to help us answer that question Joining us today, she's got a deep background in DEIB leadership. She has been a practitioner. She is a graduate of the University of Oklahoma and currently the founder of No Better, Do Better. Cass Cooper, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, Dr. Jim? It is going well. I know that I left out a lot of detail from your bio and your background and experience. I think the first thing that we need to do is get the listeners up to speed on some of the details of your background that will inform the rest of our conversation. A few things about me. I really enjoy people. I have a hospitality background and sales and marketing background, and it really allows me to put people at the center of not just business practice, but my leadership style. And it's led me to be someone who is a champion, not just of people that I know, but people that maybe are underrepresented or not easily seen traditionally in some of our business spaces. I live in the great state of Texas, which is amazing, but also very hot at times. I went to undergrad at DePaul University in Chicago and studied women's and gender studies and sociology. I love plants. I am a big paint by numbers person, and I also like puzzles. So that's just a little bit more about me. From a business standpoint, no better, do better. We really focus on educating folks so that they can make better business decisions because we really, I truly believe, and we as an organization really truly believe that when people know better, they really are able and more equipped to, to do better in their life, in their output, in their product. And a lot of the gaps that we have in business come from just always doing things the way that we've always done them. And we really need to be the center of, of innovation. And that starts with better education about policies and procedures that can be more inclusive. I think that lends itself to a lot of interesting conversations. And I don't know exactly where to start. I was almost thinking maybe I should talk about how is life in Texas when you're an Oklahoma University of Oklahoma grad? But I don't think that's particularly <laughs> relevant. There's a lot of us here. There's a lot <laughs> of us here. Actually, my neighbor across the street, they went to UT. So we have a little bit of rivalry that goes through, especially around football season. But it's okay because we usually win. So it's fine. Fair enough. I'm super excited to have you on the show, mainly because the big umbrella concept of the show is helping leaders and practitioners, people leaders everywhere, build high performance teams. And I was looking forward to getting your input on it. Let's dive right in. When you look at your career and your background and your experience and the things that you've done, what was the game-changing realization 
that really shifted your thinking on the best practices to build a high-performing team? Having a background in operations and restaurant and hospitality management, that's where I really started my first job. And it really, very early on, I realized that everybody has a role and not everybody is good at every role. I think that folks can be really great in some spaces, but then there's other spaces that they just don't excel at. And a good leader, a good manager, a good operations person, especially in high stress environments, understands that I need to find the best place for you in order to make this team function well. And really utilizing that in a events and marketing space or an event space really helped me to build what I have as my core principle, which is there's no bad employees. There's just the wrong role for them. Everyone has their strength. Everybody has a place where they can belong and it be included. But my role as your leader, as your teammate, is to figure out what are you great at and how can we make you better at it and put you in the right place for the strengths that you currently have. And then also what other areas of opportunities that you don't know that we can help and teach and learn and grow you. So the game changer for me is understanding that there is this big, bigger picture and really working in a restaurant, right? Like we all have eaten out at some point in our life and we all understand like when the food comes hot, it's supposed to be hot. When the food comes cold, it's supposed to be cold. But how does it get there and what are the mechanisms and strategies to do that the best way is something that we have to keep in the back of our mind no matter where we are in business. I'm trying to figure out exactly which thread I want to pull on, but let's talk through the role fit and responsibilities outcomes thread that we were talking yeah. about. And I really like how you said there's no such thing as a bad employee. And the reason why it stuck out to me is because when you look at the broader world of work and you look at disengaged employees and employees that feel burnt out and all that sort of stuff, and you tie it back to when they join the organization and you look at the position descriptions, most position descriptions are like 15 roles in one page, 15 things that you have to do. So what can leaders and organizations do better to eliminate that role creep? How can they get clarity around what the job needs to be done? So I think role creep, I love that term, actually. It, it harkens to like scope creep. We've all had those clients who the more you get into the project, they're like, but can we do this? And can we do that? And you're like, whoa, this is way outside of the scope. So I think having that mindset also in people's roles can be very, is very impactful. I think the biggest thing about maybe mitigating or avoiding that is making sure that you're doing an audit of what the business actually needs and what people are actually providing and really making sure that they're in better alignment than maybe you had a year ago. I think sometimes we write roles and responsibilities. And as long as the person is performing that those core competencies well, we don't really ask the question of, okay, what other projects have you taken on? What things or changes have you had in your life that have made it easier or harder to do those current roles, right? I think one of the things that sometimes when people first enter an organization, you're hopefully, you're really excited about the role and the things that you're doing. And you want to try to do a touch base and make sure that you're auditing that excitement and getting them reinvigorated for the next thing. One thing that I really like seeing in people that I lead is when they take on a new project and they come to me and say, 
I really would like to learn this. Can I take this project? And that gives me an opportunity to say to them, okay, yeah, I think that's a great idea. What if we did this and took this off your plate and then we put that here? Or maybe let's run alongside each other and try to figure out how to do that together. Really auditing and being in constant communication with people is the key to making sure that their role aligns with their mission, purpose, and values that they have personally, along with the mission, purpose, and values that you have in the organization. Not being able to do that is a huge miss because that's when you have people say, you know what, I'm getting underpaid for the things that I'm doing. I'm getting overworked. I'm working 12-hour days. I can't get away from my computer. And in reality, you're not putting in your best because you're literally having to just get the job done and not actually focus on maybe even what we need as an organization. Maybe this task isn't something that you need to be focusing on right now. Maybe it's something else that we don't even know, but because we're just expecting you to do the same things over and over, we're not asking that question well. I really like the point that you made. If your employee approaches you, if your team member approaches you uh, about a project that they want to take on, that's going to broaden their scope of work. You mentioned leaders should be looking at what can we take off of your plate to, mm-hmm. to balance that out. That's a really good point. But you also mentioned how you need to be constantly communicating so that you're level setting as you go. The question that I have on that, so I get that in principle. You, yeah. you, you want your employees to be able to take on additional responsibilities and other areas of interest. You want to be balancing the scales. You want to be constantly auditing. Uh, and communicating so that you have a finger on the pulse. Here's where most ma- uh, most managers have expressed frustration in doing that. They have so many things that are on their plate that they need to do from a task basis. How do you create the space to build that communication culture? What have you seen work best in your experience? This is where a consultant can really help, right? Because they have space to just do that and help provide the scaffolding and the infrastructure so that hopefully a good consultant will come in, be able to look at the processes that you have and provide the scaffolding and infrastructure that you are missing in order to make things better and more clear and more equitable and more inclusive. Like those really truly should be what a good inclusive leader practitioner, leadership practitioner really is focusing on. How do we do that for you? I think, yeah, you're right. Leaders have so many things to do, especially if you have a a smaller organization maybe and you have a sales goal that you're trying to look at and you're looking at operations and you're looking, you have all these different things that you're responsible for. Having an outside source to be able to help you with that is is a key thing. Now I hear what people are going to probably say if we don't have the funds, we don't have this, but what is the cost, the long-term cost that you potentially take on by not taking a pause and hiring somebody who can help and focus solely on that. That to me is a bigger risk than saying, I just don't have the time. I think we all find time for what we prioritize. And if you're really, truly trying to prioritize your people and try trying to prioritize the future of your business, carving out a little bit of for someone to come in and help and assist with that will be advantageous. That's a really good point. I think having an outsider perspective is important. They're going to be able to see things that you're not going to be able to see because you're going to have like blindness to your day-to-day activities, especially if you're the business owner. I'm sorry, that usually is the case is 
the business owner is like, of course, we're doing this great, but a really great empathetic leader who's going to listen to their folks and listen to their people is going to be able to say, you know what, I don't know everything and I don't need to know everything. And if I'm going to scale, I need to have somebody who's going to provide the infrastructure and the scaffolding for me to do that. What you said right there, you almost read my mind, because what I was going to say is organizations should always have a growth mindset in place. Unfortunately, leaders within organizations don't often do that. They, they want to maintain the things that they have done over time. And what that creates is a bottleneck where those people are always busy and don't have time for the higher value tasks. Let's do a practical exercise. So when you're thinking about bringing a, co a consultant in and having them evaluate what is being done currently and what it should look like. From an employee engagement perspective, from a employee development perspective, what are the things that a good consultant looks at and identifies in the leadership tiers that could be pushed down or delegated? Give us some examples of where you've impacted organizations that way and created space for those leaders to focus more on people-oriented tasks versus just activity. So whenever I come in, I always start with, why did you call me? Is the biggest question because I think what they think that they are trying to solve for and what I actually may uncover can be very different things. And I like to separate out the business owner and their leadership team and have separate conversations with them so that I can really get to the nitty gritty of what the business owner thinks is the key competency or issue or challenge, what they've been told by their leaders versus what the leaders are actually experiencing. That's the first thing that is really, what do you think that I'm here for? And what would you, in a perfect world, what would you like me to be solving for? Then aligning those two things and seeing where we can meet in the middle and being honest with the business leader or the, the owner of these are the things that your people are actually saying. So do a little bit of qualitative questioning and interaction. I like to do a mixed methods approach and have a quantitative, like almost like a quiz, like just do a little bit of a study and probe and ask some questions based off of that qualitative analysis, really trying to get into the data part of what we're here for and what your people are experiencing based off of the, the reasons why the ownership has called me in. Maybe they have a economics issue, right? Our sales have been slipping. I'm not sure why. Such and such has been great for years, but now they're seeming checked out. I need to try to figure that out where this gap is. And maybe the middle managers, we don't have any true gaps because we don't have access to the data that we have on hand. And we didn't know that these were like, and really trying to figure out what questions can be best answered there. And then take that back to them and say, okay, based off of the feedback, here are some of the things that the organization is facing. And then take that and ask the people. That's one thing that I am so great about is let's facilitate a conversation and let's ask you to solve your own challenges and problems. What you think is a challenge and what I find may not be in alignment, but now that we've ascertained exactly what those things are, let's be creative and try to figure out what we can do within the things and carve out. Usually that would take only like an hour and a half to really try to lead people into that conversation. And then I write up some recommendations and give them some scaffolding to try to do that and implement it and follow back up in a few months and see how we're doing. I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of times folks 
have the answers. They just need the space to really ideate what they could be because they're so bogged down in their day-to-day. We're bringing this full circle. So you talked about having a second set of eyes in there. You talked about Mm -hmm. creating space. You talked Mm -hmm. about identifying areas of opportunity to do things differently or offload or delegate. When we look at the most important responsibility of a leader when it comes to building a high-performance team, How does all of this stuff that we talked about tie back into the first question that we asked? The most important responsibility that a leader truly has is to the people in the organization. Unfortunately, as the leader, it's always your fault. Either I didn't train you, I didn't empower you, or I didn't move you or replace you. And really, once we get to that last part, we've probably failed on two different levels, right? So we want to make sure that we're giving people the tools, right? That's the equity piece that we always talk about. What are the tools that this person needs, not just in their job, but in order to best perform inside of this organization? Is it mentorship? Is it some sort of outside presence? Is it a better network? Like, How can we make sure that they have all the tools at their disposal in order to be great? and train them up so that we can they can do their best here in this organization? How can I empower them to make sure that they are leading towards the next step in their career journey, in their career path? How can I empower them to make small decisions and know that is in the best interest of the business? If we are putting the best interest of the business in our decisions that we're making, even as small to what paper we buy or what device we use, then ultimately that leads to better profitability and more ownership of the outcomes that we have as an organization. And I think the last part is maybe this isn't the right position for you. Maybe there's something that you're better at and you're more well-suited for. Maybe there's an organization that you would be better suited for, but hopefully we've done those first two things well. So that we don't have to get to that last part of, okay, train you out kind of thing. I think that's the biggest thing is really making sure that you're responsible to your people in a three-prong approach rather than just being punitive because they didn't know or they weren't able. If I'm putting a frame around everything that you said, number one responsibility of any leader within any organization is to make sure that their people are being developed. And if you don't have the internal discipline to step away from all the tasks that you're doing and ask yourself the question, are these the right things that I should be spending my time on? That's when you need a second set of eyes to be brought in to define that out for you. And by extension, that's going to help you develop your people because some of those lower value tasks on your plate could be high value tasks on somebody else's plate. I'm glad that you hung out with us and chatted for a bit. So before we wind everything down, I'd like you to reflect on the conversation that we've had so far and pull out a framework that those leaders who are listening can use to be focusing their time on the right things versus the wrong things. What would you say to that? As a business leader, my biggest suggestion is to focus on your folks and your people, the people that you are leading we get so bogged down and it's so easy to get in what we call the weeds of the day-to-day things. And really ultimately as a owner, as a leader of people, the biggest responsibility you have is to the folks that are under your care and how can you best support them and invest in them will lead to better outcomes, 
better performance by them and ultimately more freed space for yourself to be able to grow and scale the business that you have. So focusing on how can I figure out what the folks that I'm leading are good at and make them great? What are they great at and make them fantastic? And from there, where do you want to go and how can we all get there together is really the key to being a great and inclusive and equitable leader. Last, last thing before we uh, close down shop, where can people find you? So I am always on LinkedIn. That is where I live. I love being able to connect with folks. So just find me, Cass R. Cooper on LinkedIn. My website, I have a couple. So one is nobetterdobetter.co or iamcasscooper.com. And you can just come and hang out with me and follow along. When I'm thinking about what we picked out, here are the things that stood out to me. Number one responsibility of a leader is to make sure that they have appropriate amount of time to invest in their people and creating the space for that. In order for you to create the space for that, the things that stood out in this conversation that you brought out is that you have to build a communication culture that allows and creates the space for your people to come to you to talk through what their development path looks like, what areas of opportunities uh, are in the organization that they can take on. Your responsibility as a leader is to acknowledge those things, create a pathway for them to take on those tasks, but at the same time, reduce the load that they're dealing with so that they're not burnt out from developing themselves. So I think those are really important lessons that I super appreciate you sharing. For those of you who have listened to the conversation so far, if you like the conversation, leave us a review and tell a friend, and then tune in next time where we will have another great leader onto the program and they will share their best practices and frameworks for helping you build a high-performance team. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash hrimpact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.